So like I said, my, my name is Paul, and I want us to read together. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, from verse 3 to 10. We'll be reading together. And uh, I want to um, carry on with, with a theme that I enjoy doing lately. is doing word studies. It's looking at a specific word and understanding what does that mean. Like I said, the last time I preached doing a word study, is one of the problems for us as the modern church, is that we are very bad at knowing what the Bible actually means, or even just understanding the words. Now, we've got two options. Change the Bible, or understand what it means. So, let's not vote, but <laughs> probably let's just understand what it means. Probably going to be the easiest, easiest thing to do. So, let's read together. Um, hey, it worked. Nice. Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 10. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which is purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And the, I want to focus on verse 7, the word redemption here. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And I want to be studying this word this morning, redemption. You know, it's not a word that we actually use a lot. I don't know. I, I don't actually, you know, you don't speak to your spouse or your friends with the word redemption. Is there anyone that uses the word redemption often? Anyone? No one? Yeah, when you read your Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's not fair. So what does the word redemption mean? Redemption I didn't have a Greek word here, so sorry for that this morning, but I'll just explain it. The word redemption means to gain possession of something by buying it back. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment. It is basically buying something back, but there needs to be a payment. And that's where you get to redeem, it's like you, you get something back. Now, if you look at the Greek here, it's actually like a... Like a a financial term, it's, it's a, a term you would use when you would go to the shop. So the ancient Greeks would use this word when going to checkers or whatever their shop would be. But that, that's, a, that's the problem with us. We don't use that word today, don't we? Um, I don't phone Gabby and say, hey, Liffy, I'm just going to checkers, going to go and redeem a couple of things. <laughs> she doesn't send me a WhatsApp, hey, Liffy, on your way home, please go and redeem a, a, bread, a bread at checkers. Yeah? It's, it, it seems weird to us. But when you understand that redemption means you basically go and buy something back, then uh, do yourself a favor. Go and study or just go and Google the word redemption in the Bible. You'll see that either the word or the theme comes across in almost every book in the Bible, not just the New Testament. Almost every of Paul's letters has the word redemption, redeem. This is quite a big thing. Like that's, Paul constantly says to the church, Jesus has redeemed you. Now, it's the redemption that we have. It's Jesus that bought you back, basically. 
And we see this theme in, in the New Testament specifically, uh, the Old Testament, sorry, that in, in two ways. First, it's man to man and then man to God. I'll explain that just now. But let's read in Leviticus 25, verse 25. Now, you know if someone reads out of Leviticus, it gets interesting. You know? If you want to read with me, Leviticus is in the Old Testament. Right? It's one of the first five books. I know it's one of those books you just skip over. Uh, to be honest, I remember saying I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year uh, and, you know, the moment you get to Numbers or Leviticus, you just, or Deuteronomy, you just clutch out. It's like all these rules and regulations. But I'm going to show you something quite cool that in, in Leviticus, we're going to look at two portions of Scripture. In Leviticus, I mean, really? The Old Testament? So, check this. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. If, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, uh, but later on they prosper and they acquire signif uh, significant, sufficient, they require su sufficient means to redeem it themselves. They are to determine the value. Okay, let me just read this for you guys. They are to determine the value of um, for the years since they sold it, and refund the balance to the one whom they have sold it to. They can then go back. It, it, it can then go back to their property. But if they, if they do not acquire the means to repay, what has sold will remain in the possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. It will return in the year of Jubilee, but they can then go back to the property. So basically, let me summarize what happens here. This is one of the laws in Israel, basically saying, if you lose something because you're poor, so now you need to sell something. So I, I go into debt, or um, I, maybe, I, I, basically, maybe I even bet something. I bet you my car, the Springboks are going to win. And let's say they don't. Now you lose your car. What this is, is they, one of your family members should go and redeem it for you. They should go and pay to that thing back. You're thinking, that's a great law. <laughs> I like that law, to be honest. <laughs> now, there's a difference between me selling something, so I just want to sell my second-hand watch. I can't go back to you and say, no, I'm just redeeming it. So when you lose something because of something happened, or maybe let's say there's a fire and you lose your house, now you need to sell things. And interesting, this year of Jubilee concept, every 50 years, basically what happens, whoever or whatever has been lost during that 50 years needs to be repaid. So uh, Quentin goes into debt, you know, his tires explode, and now he doesn't have enough money to um, buy new tires, so it comes to me, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this something so that you can give me tires. So there's, there's a time of need. But after 50 years, every 50 years, so not 50 years after the sale, but every 50, 50 years is a year of Jubilee, and then everything needs to go back to where. Now, I'm not going to go and study what should go back and what not. Just the point is, the, the theme of redemption was already here. And you see it in the book of Ruth. You know, if, there's also a book in the Old Testament, for those of you, uh, if you don't know. That's, you see the same theme. They, they call it the king's, Kingsman Redeemer, where you know, um, Ruth found, you just go read the book of Ruth, right? But you'll see that this redemption theme is straight through the book of Ruth. The next one, uh, Leviticus 25, verse 47. Now, this is where it gets actually quite interesting. That was just the basis. If a foreigner residing among you becomes rich and you oh, and any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to the foreigner or to a number of the foreigner's clan, a member of the foreigner's clan, they retain the right of redemption, after they have sold themselves, when you sell yourself into slavery because of financial troubles, it says, when they get poor, I sell myself. Now, I retain, 
someone should come and redeem me. One of their relatives may redeem them. An uncle or a cousin or any blood relative in the clan may redeem them. Or if they prosper, they may redeem themselves. So get this picture. You maybe gamble or you become poor, you're not well with your finances. Now you don't have anything. Now you sell yourself to someone that's richer as a slave. Now you go and work for them. So you've got no option, option left. But then Leviticus says, no, but someone should come and redeem you. And that's the word we get. Someone needs to come and buy you back. And, and literally, they have, I didn't have all of it there. It says, okay, now you need to calculate you know, from this year to that year, how, how much was it? And they've got a whole mathematical equation that you've got to do there, how much you need to pay for the person. <laughs> You're thinking, this is in Leviticus, how to buy people back. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit rough. <laughs> yeah. But the point is here, and this is, God, I think God puts this in place as a shadow of what would come with Jesus. You know what a shadow is? So the light, but if light comes from the side and my shadow shines there, you can kind of see the silhouette, you can kind of see what I look like. But I am not the shadow. The shadow is just showing something of me. And this was a shadow. Like This is what Jesus would eventually do to us. Then you also get redemption. You get the theme of God redeeming Israel. One of the biggest ways he does that is by going... God goes and he gets the Israelites out of Egypt. And I'll paraphrase this story now, but Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And I'm not going to assume everyone knows this story, but just to paraphrase it, what happens is Israel, the, the, the nation, finds themselves in slavery. They, they find themselves the possession of Egypt. They are their slaves. And then God raises up a guy called Moses, and he sends Moses and he says, I want you to get my people out of Egypt. I want you to go and claim them back. And he says, go to the, the Pharaoh and tell him a bunch of things. You know. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God has said you need to re- release the Israelites. And, he say, and the Bible says, then Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And says, you know what, I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna just keep them. Then God's, God sends ten plagues. Maybe you've heard of that story. And then after every plague, Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart until eventually even God starts hardening his heart. And at the, at the final, the last plague, what they needed to do, God told Israel, take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, and put the blood on the, the deer kursaina. Like put it, the doorpost, yeah. put it on the door. You know, like, just put it on the outside of your door because what's going to happen is the angel of death is going to come and he's going to go door to door and he's going to look and he's going to see, okay, the lamb's blood is on this door. Someone has paid already for, what is, for who is in here. And then whatever door did not have the, the blood on, the angel of death went in and took the firstborn. Like, killed it. And that's like the final plague. But Israel, someone paid for Israel. And it was the lamb in that situation. But even that is a shadow. It's a picture of the lamb, Jesus. That's why Jesus is called, you know, the lamb. Because it's a picture of, of Israel that had to sacrifice the lamb so that death would pass. Jesus was the, the sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice that pays for us. And because he pays for us, Jesus makes it available that we could, through believing in him and repenting, partake. We can claim this payment that he made for us. We can be redeemed. And did you know, we all need redemption from sin. 
Now, it's often that we look at, you know, we look at the drugs, drug addicts or we look at those that go to uh, Mystic on a Friday night at two or we look at the bad people and they need redemption. Can I say this morning? Every one of us needs redemption. I don't care if you were born in church. I don't care if your priest or pastor was your midwife. Everyone needs redemption. Every one of us. No matter how close you were born into Christianity, you still need redemption. Someone still needs to pay for you. You know, it's like, the, it's like that joke where they say, you know, if you get born in a McDonald's, that doesn't make you a Big Mac, does it? You know, we, we think that's silly. I don't get born in McDonald's and say, oh, I'm now a Big Mac. No, that's stupid. Well, just because you get born in a Christian home, doesn't make you a Christian. Just, you get, just because you get born there doesn't make you that thing. Because that is vitally important for us. One of the big issues with the Christianity that we face today, the, like a, a fake Christianity that's you know, going around, you know, so, so some of us call it Christianity light, is this thing of, you know, we're all just Christian. You just, you just need to believe, man. Is that really what the Bible teaches? The Bible says, if you believe that He is Lord... If you believe that he is master, if you believe that he is the one that owns you, yes, then you're, then you're saved. But if you just believe in Jesus, do so you believe maybe, yes, he existed? Yes, maybe he paid for some people, maybe even paid for me, but you know, I don't believe he's Lord. Did you know James, the book of James says, oh, little James, well, maybe, you, I hope, I pray that he says it one day as well. <laughs> Did you know that James says, even the demons believe, even the demons believe in God. And they go like, they shout it. They're like, God is like massive. He's like amazing. Like they can't compete. I want to say this is going to sound rough. Believing, just believing that there is a God means nothing for you. It doesn't. There's a lot of people that believe. But they believe and they're still on their way to hell. They need to be paid for. There needs to be redemption. They need to be bought back. Everyone has sinned. In Romans 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned. <laughs> we all fall, fall short of God's glorious standards. Turn, turn to the person next to you and tell them, you have sinned. <laughs> Don't turn to your spouse. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> that, that's the reality. We have all sinned. We all fall short. Each and every one of us, when you get born, you get born destined to hell. That's where you're going. Destined meaning this is where I'm, my default setting is on my way to hell. As I know that sounds rough. The good news is on its way. And sin, if we all sin, before I get it, look, all of you, if you're going to be honest with you, somewhere in your life you have stolen a pen or a pencil. Or you've told a little white lie. Or you've looked at someone that you shouldn't have in a way that you shouldn't have. Or you've been prideful. Isn't pride one of the biggest things? Huh? Thinking more of yourself. All of us have sinned. Some, some are bigger sins, some are smaller sins, if you can call it that. But, but all of you, all of us, have sinned. And sin deserves death. Because God is a just God. Yes, God is love, but He's also just. And God cannot just overlook. God cannot just go, well, yeah, I really actually like you. So God is not like a crooked speedcock. God is not going to pull you over and then he, he looks at you and says, you know you were going 200 in the, in the 60 zone, but, you know, but we can, if you, we can, 
you know, it's going to be a long, it's almost holiday. God doesn't do that. He writes you the ticket and he says, I'm sorry, but you need to pay because this is the way it works. And we would all like to be on the receiving end of getting out of trouble, don't we? Isn't it what even Adam does? He sins and he says, oh, well, it was, it was the, this wife that you gave me. He starts, I want to get out of trouble. We all be aware of that thing. Even as I'm preaching this, I'm, I'm sure that any of us, oh, well, you know, technically, I don't know. No. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is eternal life. If He is your Lord, if He has bought you and has come to take you, I mean, you know, metaphorically, He's, he's actually made the transaction. If you're His, then there's eternal life. Jesus didn't just pay and then say, well, you know, I paid, guys, cheers, you can all just do what you want. That is in, in human thinking. He says, well, I'm surely Jesus paid, so just do what you want. No. He paid, but he says, okay, now follow me. And that's the thing. Jesus paid for you. And I want you to say that to yourself. You don't need to say, say it loudly, but Jesus paid for me. Thank you, Johan. Because Jesus did pay for you. He did. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. It is available for all. A testimony at the proper time. There's one mediator. We don't believe that you pray through Mary. We don't believe that you pray through your ancestors. There's one mediator, and it's Jesus. He's the only one that connects us to God. No older saint or someone that has passed away or a relative. That is wrong. Only Jesus. It's only through Jesus. He's the one. It's only through Him. And we need to say that. You know, especially in Bloom, there's like, man, it's only through Jesus. It's not even through church attendance. It's not even through your quiet times that can be a bit like five minutes and you just, I read my verse it's not through my good deed of today. In an Afrikaans culture, my goeie daad vir die dag. The, your good deed of the day still gets you to hell. It's only through Jesus. He's the mediator. He's the one that stands in the middle and says, come, I'm, I am the bridge. Jesus paid the price, and I want to say this, Jesus paid the price, and he paid it to God. Jesus didn't go to the devil and say, well, let's bargain. You know, I, I give you my life and you give me the people. No, there's people that believe that. Jesus didn't go and bargain with the devil. He paid for the sin. He paid, for your, your, he paid the death. He died the death that we should have had. And he paid that to God. Because God says, he's the judge. Satan isn't the judge. Satan himself is going to get judged. It's the Father, the judge, it says. And, you know, it's the Father that sends Jesus as well. But it's also the judge. Now, I once heard someone say, oh, why does bad things happen to good people? And I heard a brilliant response. That has only happened once in the whole history. And that was with Jesus. Because he's the only one that's good. He's the only good person that something bad has happened to. The rest of us, it's bad things happening to bad people. Don't believe that lie of elevating yourself, saying, I'm such a good person, I can't believe this happened to me. Now look, bad things happen. 
And we're there for one another. And we support one another. And Jesus pays for you. And there's, you know, and there's grace for you. And he loves you. And he pulls you in. But don't get entitled. Jesus is the only one entitled. And you know what he's entitled to? He's entitled to you. He's in, he paid. If, if I go to Quentin, so if using you as an example, and I say, Quentin, I want to buy your car. And he says yes. And I buy the car. I give him the payment. And it reflects in his bank account. I'm now entitled to that thing. He doesn't say, well, thank you for the money. I'm just going to keep the car. No, it's mine. You need to give it to me. I paid for it. And this morning, Jesus paid for you. You should be his. And this is a good thing because he pays you out of slavery. Can I say this? You will always be a slave. You're either a slave of sin. Now, even when the Bible says he, he, no, he set us free, he set us free from sin. He didn't set us free and chase us out of the camp and say, be free and run. No, he says, I'm taking you, I'm setting you free from slavery and come with me. Now you're mine. So yes, we're free, but, but not. We belong to him. We're free from sin. We're free from having to do the things that we don't want to do. And you'll find that as you start to follow Jesus, and for those of you that do, you'll find that the, more you, the closer you get to Jesus, the less you want to do sin. It becomes, it becomes this thing that's like in the way. But still, if we're not careful, that thing wants to come and claim us back. I want to tell the story of Tom. It's a young boy. I don't know if you've heard this story. It's a young boy. You can guess how old he is. Let's say grade 7, grade 6. And it was a one December holiday, and he made himself a toy boat. Almost like that picture you see there. He made himself this toy boat. And he said, you know what, I'm going to play with this boat. And he goes to the, you know, he's so proud of this thing that he made. And he goes to the, the river, and he plays. He has a little string on the boat, and he plays, and he would walk up the river, and he would run down, and as the boat goes. And he's having so much fun with this boat. And then the string snaps, and the boat drifts away. And he runs, and he runs, and he tries to get the boat, but the, th- the water is just too strong, and it goes away. That evening he goes home and he's like, oh, man, this thing that I made is gone. I lost it. It's gone. And then a couple of days later, he's walking through town and he's a bit like, you know, you can, you can guess this young boy having made this boat and now he's lost it. He walks a bit you know, discouraged. And suddenly as he walks down the street, in the corner of his eye, he sees the boat in the window of a store, a secondhand store. And he runs in and he's excited. He says, yes, this is my boat. Woo, I got it. And the owner looks to me and says, no, this is now my boat. Someone brought it in this morning. And if you want it, you're going to have to buy it. It's 100 rand. And the boy says, oh. But he runs to his home. He gets his little, you know, that saving piggy. He breaks it open and he counts all the money. It's exactly 100 rand. All I have is 100 rand. And he runs to the store, and he goes to the owner, and he says, here's the 100 rand. Can I have my boat back? He says, yes, here's your boat. And he looks at the boat, and he says this, you are now twice mine. First I made you, then I bought you. And this is a picture of Jesus. It says, first I made you, but then I bought you. He paid. He's the one that made us. But also then he goes, oh, but I'll pay again. He's entitled to have us but he still buys us. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is what redemption means for us, that he buys us back, that we are his.
No, that is, that is the grace of God. You know, have you seen this acronym? God's riches at Christ's expense. Whenever you think of grace, think it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Someone paid, and it was Jesus. So what does that mean for us? I'll, I'll read two verses. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. For you were bought at a price, so glorify God with your bodies. And this is specifically in context of sexual immorality. Paul is writing and he's saying, you were bought with a price, so don't sleep around. You were bought with a price, so stop watching pornography. You were bought with a price, so stop masturbating. This is what he says. Any sexual immorality says, honor God of your body because he bought you. You belong to him. Galatians 2 verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who lives. So what does redemption mean for us? Jesus paid for you. And as you allow him to come and buy you, so he's paid, but there's this transaction that needs to happen. And I trust that this morning for some of you, there will be a tra transaction that happens. Like I says, he doesn't come and just force and take you. No, no, sorry, this belongs to me, this belongs to me. If that was true, we would all be saved. We would all just follow God. But that's not true, is it? He gives us a choice. He says, I've paid for you, but now come. That's often the challenge with, the, with concepts in the Bible. Is we try and oversimplify it. Oh, he just buys us, so that means we're automatically is. No. Yes, he buys us, but it's a transaction. He paid, but then he comes to you and says, now follow me. Come. And when we say yes, when we believe that he is Lord, and when we turn away, you know, a couple of weeks ago I did this word starting repentance, turning away. When we turn away and follow him, he says, now you're mine. You were bought with a price, and you're not your own. You need to notice this morning. For some of you that are already Christians, remind yourself that you were bought with a price, and you belong to Jesus. When, the, when, when Satan comes to you and says, oh, you, you, you sinned again, or you... No, no, Jesus paid for me to be free from this thing. He paid, and he wants you. He doesn't look at you every time you sin and say, oh, well, just go back again. I don't really want this model. No, he, he doesn't have this r refund policy. He doesn't send an email saying, I, actually, I, you know, I paid off my life for this one, but I'm a bit disappointed with, it's got a couple of dents. It's got a couple of, of issues. No. And then that's, that's where we'd maybe look at another word, the word called sanctification, meaning he then makes us more like him. He buys you as you are. He buys you with all your dents and your cracks and your brokenness. He buys you. On the cross, he was looking at you, broken, and saying, I buy that one. I pay for that one. That broken one. I pay for that one. And as I buy it, I'll fix it. He brings us in. He says, come, let me make you beautiful. Let me fix the brokenness. He doesn't throw away something he paid for with his life. No matter how much you keep breaking yourself, God says, I paid for this and I'm going to fight for this. So what are those things? What are those areas that you maybe have forgotten about? What are those things where, you know, I've, I wrote a couple of things down here. First, 
the choices you make. Can you honestly say, like Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I don't belong to myself. The old self is gone. The old self is dead. I belong to a master, a good master. And we need to approach this. I've been redeemed. I've been bought. So I can't just make the, my own decisions. Your finances. It's no longer your finances. It's God's finances. He bought you and it was a package deal. Your life and your finances. Your life and your time. Your life and every decision you make. It's part of the deal. Now your time, like I said, your spouse, who you want to marry, who you shouldn't marry. It's God's decision. He owns you. You're his. You can't make your own decision. You're his. Kids. Do you want kids? Don't you want kids? How many kids? Let God decide. Meaning, ask him. I'm not saying wing it. <laughs> Just to clarify that. There's a reason we need to go, okay, well, God, I want you to decide. Let me pray about it. Where you stay, what job you have, where, where you work. Now, Jesus says, what help is it you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? How much money do you need to make to be happy? Not in, more. The answer is more. The answer is always more. You will reach a certain point. Ah, just a little bit more. Just one more race. Then I can get that. And oh, you want to be good to justify. Eh? Now look, there's a point where I trust God for more to bless. But let's be honest. Most of the, well, let's say 50% of the time to be generous here. We bring God into our problem so that we feel better. Yeah? God, I want more finances so that I can bless people more. And I think he looks at us going like, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> he does. You know? I've, I've spoken to many people saying, oh, I'm going to move to this different town. I'm going to go farm there. I'm going to go do this. But I'm going to make a lot of money so I can bless people. Okay, but this is what God wants. And I'm saying this with seriousness. I've spoken to people saying, don't do it. No amount of money will keep you with Jesus. No, no, but I'll give to the church. A month later, see on the WhatsApp statuses, party after party. Brandy bottle after brandy bottle. What happened to our gift to the church? No, don't justify it. You belong to God. Lord, what do you want? I just do what you want. And then where you serve, what your calling is, do you serve in the band? Because I want to serve in the band. That's what God wants me, man. God, and if, if God just wants you to serve on sound and AV, yeah, sound guy stands in front, but AV person obviously sits at the side. If God for the rest of your life just wants you to serve there, so what? You're his? Think of your home. You put things where you want to put them. If you want to put one plant in the corner and leave it there, you like it there, leave it there. And if God wants to put you in the corner as an accessory, he can, can't he? Because you're his. Don't let entitlement creep in, saying, oh, but uh, I want more. No, I just belong to Jesus. And just on time, you know, Hebrews 10.25 says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. It does not say, do not neglect, neglect the gathering of the saints, except on holiday. Does it? I, I try, I've, I've, been looking, I've been looking for the clause. It's not there. <laughs> you know? I'm his. I do what he wants. Do not neglect the gathering of saints, except when you're off. 
Now look, we can go away. We can, I'm not saying, but is it hard to neglect the gathering of the saints? Don't we often just find a way out of it? You know, there's a story of, of William Booth, and I'm just going to paraphrase the guy that started the Salvation Army. I think Russell's mentioned it last time. They asked him, William, what's, what's your su- success story? How did you get the Salvation Army to be this thing? Now, that was years ago. It's, been quite, it's changed a lot over the years. But how did you get it to be this amazing thing for the poor? And he said, God got all of William Booth. There's actually a bigger quote where he says, the only thing that makes the Salvation Army worth it was that if there's anything valuable in Salvation Army, what he said, is it was that God got all of me. And then he mentioned time and this and this. I think William Booth realized that he belongs to Jesus. Every part of him. He's been redeemed. And this morning I want to ask you. Firstly, I want to tell you that God paid for you. And he wants to redeem you. You know? But I want to ask you, have you allowed him to take you? Have you allowed him to come and buy you? Or do you resist him? Do you say, no, Jesus, I will pay myself. I'll figure it out on my own. And why don't we close our eyes? Because I want to pray for us. This morning, I want to, with every eye closed, I want to ask you, have you made that decision? Have you said, okay, God, Jesus, I give you my life. I know that you've bought me. I know that you want to redeem me, that there's redemption for me. But this morning, I choose to give it over to you. This morning, I choose to let you buy me. And then he comes, he takes you in your broken state, and he fixes. There's forgiveness for your sins when you let him buy. And if that's you this morning, why? and I'm speaking for those very specifically, for that, that if you've never made this decision, saying, Jesus, come and buy me. Now, for some of us, you maybe you've backslided or you've struggled, but I'm speaking to the group specifically that has never done this. If you want to re- respond to God and say, Jesus, come and buy me. I also want redemption. I also want you to come and get me. I want you to come and take me out of slavery from sin. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone? Don't think about what people are going to think. Jesus pays. Your friends don't pay for you. The people next to you don't pay for you. Jesus pays for you. Is there anyone who wants to respond and say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to make you Lord. Maybe as I'm speaking, your heart's starting to beat like quicker. You feel, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel the Holy Spirit saying, yes, this is you. Respond. I want to buy you. Is there anyone? I want to keep throwing out this thing if there's anyone. Is there any one of you? Why don't you just raise your hand? It's all good. If there is anyone and you're struggling to respond, please respond in this moment. The Bible says when you hear the word of God, when you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, don't harden your heart. Respond that day. Respond in this moment. If you're struggling to raise your hand, speak to someone afterwards and say, ah, I think I needed to respond. I want to respond to that thing. And then for the rest of us, maybe, that you, maybe you've forgotten that God has bought you. Maybe, that, maybe you've forgotten that He owns every part of your life. Holy Spirit, right now, wouldn't you, would you come and convict? If there's any area in us, any area, Lord, would you come and highlight it to us? What are those areas that we've forgotten that you own? Come, Holy Spirit, would you come and convict? I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit would come and 
show you specific things. If there's nothing, that's fine. But ask him. Ask him, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I still own? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if there's anything for you, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front of it, but why don't you raise your hand as a sign of you acknowledging it before God, saying, yes, Lord, there is there's something that I've forgotten. Is there anyone? Thank you. you. I mean, you're speaking to God now. He knows what you're responding to. Is there anyone else who wants to respond? Say, God, ah, I forgot about this area. And as you stick up your hand, you're saying to God, Lord, I give you back control of this. I know that you've actually bought every part of my life. And I lay it at your feet and I trust you to do with it what you want. I want to pray for all of those that's responding. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you convict us? You're the one that works here with us. Would you come and change our hearts? Help us. Help us understand that Jesus paid. He paid the price. Help us understand this. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would get to know your love. You need to know this morning that God loves you. He loves you. That's why he bought you. And the reason we give everything to him is because he loves us and he bought us. He's not a harsh slave master. He calls us friend. He calls us brother. And he loves us. But we still belong to him. So Lord, you see all these hearts and all these responses. Would you come and take those areas as they lay it at your feet? As they lay these things at your feet and saying, Lord, take it back. Would you come and take them up on that offer and take it back, Lord? Lord, that we would glorify you, that we would follow you well, that our life would reflect you. We want the world to see you through our life, Lord. Everything we do, the way we love one another, the way we spend our finance, the way we spend our time, the way that we're quick to turn back when we realize we make mistakes. Lord, help us reflect you well. I even feel the Lord saying to some of us, it's okay, it's okay. It's normal to do things that you're not supposed to do. Stop doing it, but it's okay. Every time you make a mistake, it doesn't look at you like, oh, say, come on, no, there's grace for you. Keep going. When you get knocked down, just get up. Just get, get up again. Amen. Amen. You need to know that God loves you, man. That, that, that's why he's paid. He's paid. Isn't it the word redemption? Such a, he just bought you. So next time you read the scriptures, it says, it's a redemption. Imagine that boy that says, you are now twice mine. First I made you, then I bought you. You're his. Make sure that you are his. Amen.